it for you, Lord. Fill our hunger, fill our thirst, oh Father. Fill our thirst and fill our hunger, Lord. Yes, Fill our thirst and fill our hunger, Lord. Hallelujah. Now, Father, again we come. Marinate the whole atmosphere with your presence. In Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Thank you very much. We thank God for you. I cannot even see a a face. Amen. Siya bonga kuluge na mchanjibazo na uchini be kani na chigulengkonzo iyala a kingdom embassy house. Amen. Kala zasiti agu kaulu se chileni wako na mchanjaspazu guenzalo. But trusting God, we will be able to do so soon. Amen. We want to welcome Bazalwani who are joining us online. Uh, we welcome you to our service today. Amen. I want to talk to you. Hello. Amen. Bless you, Amanda. Bless you. Amen. And bless. Amen. Praise God. But I want to thank God for an opportunity to gather together to, to worship, number one, and to, and to hear the word of the Lord, to strengthen each other in the things of the spirit. Amen. We always say everything is spiritual. Everything is spiritual. Everything is spiritual. What you see manifesting in the natural has its origins behind the curtain has its origins behind the scenes. By the time it is manifested in the earth realm, there's been a programming behind the scenes. That's why we ministered a word some time ago, a little reprogramming the future, because we believe that anything natural is subject to change. This is why when he, he pulled him in, the, in those valley of dry bones, in the book of Ezekiel, shows him a status quo, a valley full of dry bones, and he asks him, can these bones live? Can these bones live? Can we speak a word that changes the present so that what we see is in line with the will of God? So everything is spiritual. Nkulunkulu has brought us in the earth to bring about an alignment, out alignment, alignment between what God has preordained you will hear that word often here at care. How to preordained. How to predestined. Destined before. Before we showed up here, before there was even the earth itself. The Bible says, it talks to Jeremiah, says, I know you. I've known you for a long time. It says, I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. And I spoke a word upon your life, even before your parents got to be together. Even before there was the earth itself, I knew you. I knew you. So God knows us personally, individually. 
and relates to us, not as a group, as a crowd, but relates to us as individuals or to individuals. Amen. So even as we get ready to minister to you this afternoon, I want you to know that this is real. Oh, this is real. This is real. This is real. Church is real. God giving us time. We will explain all these things to you. We're going to be together for the next 40 years, right? <laughs> so there's a lot of stuff to learn together. So Nkolunkolu brought us here to fulfill purpose and to work with him in the realignment. That's why I always bring up Matthew 6, 10 to you. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is, out as it is, as it is, amen. As it is in heaven, as it has been declared, as it has been written, uh, we want to see that manifesting in the earth. Hallelujah. So I wanted to fight uh, fight with everything that you have to ensure that what God has planned for your life becomes a reality in the earth realm. Do not die before time. Refuse. I don't care what dream the enemy gives you. Do not die before your time. Do not die until you fulfill what God brought you here for. Hallelujah. Now, I want us to, to go to the book of Genesis, uh, chapter 6, verse number 6. I want to speak to you on the the message, the topic, it says, sowing our lives for a great harvest. Out sowing our lives for a great harvest. Uh, expecting something out of it. Don't forget, the because it's been a series, don't forget where we started. Because he told Adam, he, he said, as long as the earth remains, seed, time, and harvest shall not cease. Seed, time, and harvest shall not cease. There is always a harvest that God wants you to reap. God did not bring you here to strip you off and to make a mockery of your life. When God says, give something up, it's because he wants to give up your wants you to give up your five friends so that he can give you what is in store in the storehouse in heaven. If you are in a relationship and God speaks to you and says, Give this up, what you are giving up is nothing compared to what God has in store for you. Every time God speaks to you to say, Give something up, it's like a child who is holding a five rand in their hand, and you have two hundred bucks in your back pocket, and you plead with them. To say, Levi, open your hand and let go. He wants, he's, he's squeezing that five friend for, for his dear life. He won't let go. But as a father, you know that you've got something better out, something better, something better. So in the, in the spirit, there are dynamics like those. Now, because we're in the natural realm, we don't have understanding of what is happening behind the scenes. When God speaks to us, it seems as if he is bothering us, he's worrying us. He's, he's causing such discomfort in our lives. I asked some people some years ago, I said, why does God pursue you? Why does God pursue us? What, what does he have to do with us? Why can't he just leave me alone and just let me live my life the way I please? He can't. Because God is love. Oh, God is love. God is love. In the book of John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 8, and 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, the Bible says God is love. The nature of God's love is such that um, it needs the context of relationship for it to be uh, poured out. 
God needs someone, an, an object, a target to pour himself onto. Now, for that to happen, he needs to establish a relationship with mankind or the human race. We have always been the targets of his love. We have always been the targets of his grace. We have always been the targets of his mercy. And so he wants someone to pour himself out. Amen. And so when he establishes a relationship with you, it is so deep, it is so profound, more than what you think. He says, the enemy comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. That's the only thing he comes to do, to add to you. God does not want to do anything else except to add to you, or to add to me, add to you. Amen. So in that whole thing, according to the laws of the Spirit, there is something that we also have to do. There is a role for us to play. God is limited in what he wants to do in our lives. Uh, he needs us to, to begin to be participants or the participants in that which he wants to do. So there is a, a lot that we can say along those lines. But for the purpose of the message today, I just want to limit ourselves to this. Uh, for us to be able to reap what God has in store, there is a dying to self that we need to have. There needs to be the, the status quo. The status quo is what is at this point in time. The person that you have developed to be, your personality, everything about you, uh, most of it, it's, it's not of God's doing. Some of us are a product of our experiences when we were children. We were raised up in families that were abusive. I was raised up by my mother single-handedly. I was born illegitimate. That means my father, uh, my mom, and my dad were not married. And those things have an impact on the person you become when you grow up. So when God is to launch you into your destiny and purpose, there must be a dismantling or a dismantling. Dismantling of who you have become. Always remember that we are always becoming. I am becoming. I am becoming more than, uh, more like what he wants me to be as he sees me in heaven. Or I am becoming something else. So at every given time, every word obeyed uh, moves me a step closer to becoming the person that he wants me to be so I can fulfill destiny. So we are always becoming. So for us to be able to fulfill the things that God brought us here for, there must be a dismantling of the status quo of what is. How many of you know that even your anger, you see, the personality, what they call idiosyncrasies, even the very personality that you have, it's not the original you. Uzuti. Minanje. No, how do you know that? Because that happened because when you were three years old, uh, you saw your father hit your mom, and there was a branding somewhere in your soul. And you, you had this anger in you. You couldn't help her because you were small. But something happened in your soul. Your soul was wounded. And you grow and become 
your life begins to move in that direction because the enemy is trying to mold you such that you are not the person God wants you to be. Because as long as you are who you are, you shall not achieve and fulfill the purpose that God brought you here for. So when the Bible talks about us dying, it, 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 it makes reference to that which God wants to pull down, a structure that he had nothing to do with, because what God wants to see uh, come up out of your life is that which he has uh, uh, had a, an input in through his word. When we begin to obey the word, the Bible says, uh, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. All the things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new. There is a you that is known in heaven that has not manifested yet here. We know you the way you are. We know the way you do things. But there is a you that God recognizes in heaven. And he waits until we, we begin to align ourselves every day. We, this is why John says, I must decrease everything I've known about myself from the time I was born. That must decrease there, there must be a dwindling of the me that I have come to know. And they must emerge. There must be an emergence from within my spirit of the person that God wants me to be as he sees me in heaven. Say hallelujah. So don't never feel bad. God loves you. God loves you more than you will ever love yourself. God understands your destiny more than you will ever do. Everything, every instruction he gives you, it's all strategic. It's all set. He, he wants you to become everything. Sometimes uh, it may cause us pain because as we grow up, where we grow up, we grow to be attached to certain things. We, we do things a certain way and you receive the word of God and God begins to say, don't do it this way. That's not what I want you to do. This is not the person I am raising you to be. And do things this particular way. Amen. So always understand that he is with you. He wants you to win big in life. He wants you to score in this life. He wants you to make it. Say hallelujah. He wants you to make it big. He does not want you to fail. Hallelujah. So, I want to tell you this, Bazalwan. Do I have my, can I have my, uh, Amanda, just bring that, uh, amen. It's on my chair. It's my towel. When we read the Bible, we get a sense that God's throne is, uh, thank you. God's throne is securely established in heaven. God's throne is securely established in heaven, and it is. And we go from Genesis to Revelation, we realize that as God sits on the throne, there is really no threat to his rule. There is no threat to his rule. The enemy has got nothing uh, in God. He, he can't can mess with him. He's just a, a little thing to God. This is why he gives us authority to deal with him. He's too big to do those things. Amen. So we get a sense as we study the Bible that God is secure in heaven and is, 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 is untouchable. The Bible says he dwells in an unapproachable light. The light of his glory, it is his armor. 
you can't even get close to him. Even if you wanted to do something, you couldn't because his very glory surrounds him. The Bible says he dwells in an unapproachable light. Say amen. So despite all that we know concerning the Lord, one thing that becomes clear when we study the Bible is that God's heart can be broken. There is a breach that mankind only is able to make. As secure as God is, as established as he is in the heavens, but the only being that he has created that is able to cause a breach in that security and comfort is, is the human race. This is why in Genesis uh, chapter 6, verse 6, the Bible says God was sorry that he had made men in the earth. The only person, the only creation that is able to break something in God, which is his heart, is us. You take the human race out of the equation. There is nothing that has got the potential, capacity, or the power, strength to break God's heart. We are so powerful in that we have the power to break the heart of the creator to the extent that he says, I am sorry that I made man. Other translation put it this way, it repented God <laughs> that he made man. It gets to a place where he repents that he even made us. Amen. So everything that we do on earth, I want you when you live your life, have these things with you, uh, have an understanding. We have the ability to grieve him. This is why the Bible says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Do not cause grief to come to him. You and I are the only people who have the ability to do so, to grieve the heart of God. Amen. And so as we sit here, family, I believe that one of the most painful things in the heart of the Father, now listen to me carefully, is that the church is buying, listen to me carefully, the church is buying cabbages, 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 is buying cabbages with diamonds. When I explain that to you, that is we do that almost daily. We are not using the power of the blood and the death of Jesus Christ to access from the storehouse in heaven to bring into our existence the things that Jesus paid for, for us to have and for us to walk in. We, are, we have so much buying power. Buying power has to do with God has given us the power to transact. These are transactions in the spirit that take place when we pray. There are things that are in the storehouse in heaven that he wants to be part of your life so that your destiny can be fulfilled. But we do not pray proper prayers because we lack revelation of these things. We are buying cabbages when we have diamonds at our disposal to be able to access divine things, glorious things, things even that money cannot buy. But probably because of the churches we went to and the gospel we grew up listening to, 
we are limited in our understanding of these things. And most Christians die without having accomplished the thing that God wanted them to accomplish. Always remember Joshua. But the Bible says he died within the borders of his inheritance. We are buying, out I am buying cabbages using diamonds. I mean, seriously, family, what God has given you, if you would have a revelation of the power that you have, of the things that you have access to, only if you would pray, only if you would understand how much God wants to pour out into your life. There are things which, with your name on them. And you will die without even having experienced or held those things in your hands. Because you just, just didn't know. Amen. So I want to provoke you today because there is something that you and I must do. In order to be able to access or to access. And our transactions must be so powerful. That the things that we pray for, they don't only touch our lives, but they are transgenerational. When you pray a prayer, it does not only impact you, it impacts your children and their children. It is a transgenerational prayer and answers to prayer. So miracles that are so powerful, they don't touch your life, they touch the nation. God wants us to move in that revelation that there are people on earth who are holding on, he has given us a blank check. But we are busy just moving around here when he has given us the whole of South Africa to access. We, we are just in this hall. Everything about us is in this hall. Even when we fast and when we pray, it's just to get this hall in place. But God is in heaven saying, why can't you see? Stretch Put your boundaries out there and begin to see what I see. Because I've given you all there is for you to be able to live a life I've called you to live. Say amen. So the storehouse remains full of things that matter. And should we have an understanding and revelation of such, you will begin to pray prayers that my grandchildren, they will benefit from. Say hallelujah. I want you to begin to look at yourself differently because you are more than what you think you are. You are more than a church-going person who goes to church on Sunday, gets up and down and sing worship and give your offering and you go. There's something profound about your role in the earth. There is something profound. There is, there is a you that God is still waiting to see. This is why we encourage you to pray. This is why we encourage you to read the word. That is why we encourage you to fast. Because the system is against you. The system is such that it does not allow for you to become what God wants you to become. You are surrounded. The ecosystem itself, everything about your life, the family you were born in, everything that has happened in your life from the time you were born, it was such that it made it difficult for you to become the person you are meant to be. So we fight. We fight with everything that we have to be able to break through, to be able to be the people that God wants 
us to be in the earth. We fight, out I fight. There is nothing that just happens. You may live your life and attend church for the next 40 years, 45 years, and die and go to heaven. But you, you will not have impacted anything. And the enemy is not worried about such people. Say hallelujah. So I want to say to you, Bazalwane, there is a storehouse. Oh, there is a storehouse. Please live your life with that understanding. And I, you, you want to plunder the thing. You want to plunder the thing as long as you are here because you want to bombard heaven with prayer. You want to bombard heaven with intercession. You want to fast. You want to pray. You want to do everything there is to do for you to ensure that everything that has your name on it, everything that has got your children's name on it, everything that you are destined to be and to become in this life, it must be pulled from that realm into this realm until it becomes flesh. You can touch it. A person who does not pray, it's a person who does not understand that there is something called the storehouse or the storehouse. The storehouse. You are suffering in this life. All you need to do is just to ask. He tells them. He told them a couple of times in Matthew 7, 7, it says, Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. He who searches shall find it. And to whom who knocks, the door shall be opened. And he says, if you, being evil, Know how to do good things to your children. How much more will your father in heaven? How much more? How much more? So there is a storehouse in heaven. But very few get to open it. Because the way to the storehouse is down a tunnel called a grave of self. Out a grave of self. I want to hear everybody say that. Out a grave of self. Let me repeat what I just said to you. Because these are working principles in life that you need to understand. And it will then begin to make sense to you why some Christians seem to be more spiritual than others. And you actually say that that's so spiritual, this one. Why do some people seem to be more passionate and and have a prayer life that is just, is just mind-boggling. Because they have a revelation of the things that they cannot afford not to engage with as long as they are in the earth. They understand that time is not on our side. None of us in this place know when we are going to die. Our mind, because flesh lies, it tells you still have a number of days. No, family, let me tell you, engage heaven. Engage heaven every single day. Engage heaven day and night. Bombard heaven with prayer. Pray. Pray as if your life depended on it. Pray as if it was your oxygen. Pray and keep on praying. The Bible says pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. 
we are to pray without ceasing until we hold in our hands the things that God wants us to experience in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So there's a storehouse, and the way to the storehouse is down a tunnel that's called your grave, out in my grave. In other words, there is a death that must take place in our lives for us to be able to hold certain things. There are things so glorious. One preacher called them pearls of great price. It's the things which Jesus died for us to have. And then somebody else said, God has got so much to give us, but our character is not able to contain it. God can give you anything you want at any given time. What becomes a challenge to him in the heavens is if I would place this thing on you, would the framework of your character be able to contain and sustain it? I asked a question some time ago. I said, if God were to give you 10 million this moment, how many of you would be in church next week? If God were to expose you to such wealth and power, how many of us would even continue to pray more than we have ever prayed before? This is why the way to the storehouse, the way to glory and to great power is down a tunnel called death to self. Because before God releases to me this glorious thing, there must be a dying to self. So that by the time God begins to pour out what he wants to pour out in great measure, I do not begin to worship the very blessing that he has given me and begin to forget about him. Out there is a dying that must take place. The key to the storehouse is in your tomb. The key that opens the storehouse is found in the tomb of self. When we begin to understand these things, you will desire to die daily. You will look for opportunities because God presents opportunities for us to die on a daily basis. For me to be able to reap the, the glory of marriage with my wife, I must learn the principle of dying to self daily. Because if both of us are alive all the time, the marriage will never live. The marriage shall not succeed. There must be a dying to self. When my masculinity, when my manhood, Gombe, wants to respond as a man, and something in me says, keep quiet. Something in there must be a dying because I can win an argument and lose something more precious in the relationship. Everyone wants to have the last word. It's easy to have the last word. She can talk, I can talk back, and she talks, and I talk back, and I talk back, and back, and back, and back, and the last one back because I want to feel right. And in the process, I lose the relationship. Sometimes you learn to say sorry. When you are not necessarily wrong, but because there's a storehouse and the key to glory and to great power and prosperity and success in these things is found in that grave called self.
dead to self. Say amen. How many times must we die? We die all the time. Sometimes you feel like, I think I'm the only one doing the die. <laughs> but we die all the same. Just keep on dying. You say, how many times? Just, just keep on dying. What if, what if she disrespects you? What if she takes you for granted because you are, you know, she would, no. See, God is good because when you obey the word, when you do what he says you must do, there is a way. These principles begin to kick in and God and, and in the supernatural and something begins to happen because you honored him. Say hallelujah. Out today is a dying. So family, there is such thing as the law of the grave. Out to the law of the grave. Oh, how I desire that you understand these things. So you can begin to walk in them. So precious. Do you know, uh, my precious daughter, sometimes somebody steps on you in the queue. You just find yourself saying sorry. Because you're just so used to it. You know, you're just so used to And you're like, no, but you're wrong. In your mind, but, but you're wrong. Yes, why am I saying sorry? Because what happens is, gentlemen, when you take a sponge and you dip it in coke, and you take it out, and you squeeze it, what comes out will be what? Will be coke. You take the sponge, and you dip it in pure water. You pull it out, and you squeeze it. What comes out will be water. When you are under pressure, when you are being squeezed by life, what comes out will be determined by what you have been soaking yourself in. If you soak yourself in the word and you soak yourself in the presence and you soak yourself you know, in, 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 in fellowship with him, when life begins to squeeze you, when things begin to happen, what comes out is what we have imbibed, we have absorbed. This is why this is not just a religion. It's a way of life. It's culture. It's how we survive. It's how we win. Out today is a storehouse. But the way to the storehouse is through a tunnel called my grave. Now, let me explain to you the law of the grave. The law of the grave says, the way of the spirit is not the way of the flesh. Okay, listen. This is the law of the grave. It says this. The way of the spirit is not the way of the flesh. For the spirit to dwell in the presence of the Lord in heaven, the body must first die and be buried in a tomb. All right. Let me repeat that because there's lots of stuff in that. The way of the spirit is not the way of the flesh. For the spirit to dwell in the presence of the Lord in heaven, the body must first die and be buried in a tomb. Now, we often think that this particular principle kicks in when we physically die, right? 
When we die, this is when this happens. No, family. This applies before we physically die. We die before we die. You see, there is a death. There is a death that is required of those who desire to host the presence of God. There is a death that is required of those who desire to host heaven on earth. Because we cannot be in the presence of God without dying. The law of the grave says, before your spirit is really connected and you are one, you are in the, God is all over you. The flesh must first be buried. When your flesh is buried, your spirit has unlimited fellowship with the Father. It's a law that has to kick in anytime you want to experience the fullness of God in your life. This does not happen with those who want the fullness of religion. The fullness of religion that demands there are different. If you want to host a religion, if you want to host a bunch of laws, this does not apply. But if you want to seek the glory and the greatness of the Father, the power and the authority, the things that God wants to unleash through your life into the earth realm, if you want to see heaven on earth, there is a dying that is required from you. Say hallelujah. Now, this understanding, Pastor Lani, or this revelation could be the key to the unleashing of the glory in the earth. If God's people can understand that heaven is waiting for you to go to your grave because in your grave there are keys. They want you to pick up and begin to open doors that no one can open in the earth. They can only be opened by those who have died. I said to you last week, God works through dead people. One thing God always looks forward, to, looks forward to doing in your life is to get rid of you. Because you are the major stumbling block to you being blessed. I am the major stumbling block. I am the main obstacle. I am the main hindrance and impediment. God wants to unleash out, unleash. So for him to be able to do that, they, all of me, there must be an undoing of me. So I must die to self. I must die to self. I must be dismantled. And when that happens, the glory of the Lord is unleashed. The way to glory is through a tunnel called the grave of self. God works through dead people. There are so many Christians on earth today, so alive, so full of themselves. There is a group now of, of, of people who are called Christians yet without Christ. Get Christian without Christ. I pray, family, 
if there is one thing you must look forward to, to doing this week, it is to begin to trust God for his grace to help you die more. And do me, and do me, Lord, my attitude, my attitude could be your undoing. There are levels of glory. There is a level of prosperity and success and wealth and riches. Your mind, my mind is in the way because I think so small. And God cannot work with them. God needs to dismantle that through the power of his word and begin to take the blinkers off you so that you can begin to see what he sees. As long as I move in what my grand, uh, my forefathers, my ancestors walked in, I might be limited because in my family, probably I was the only one to be able to drive a car, first one, probably. Maybe you're the first person to get a degree in your family. And these things begin to work against you. And you're thinking, maybe I've achieved. Maybe this is it. I've done all there is to do. No, God, there are 10 more levels. Only if you could receive the beam of light from heaven, you would realize that God placed to him, not only to be the first one in your family, but the, to be the first one in that area, in your province, to be the first one to break through in that particular sphere in your nation. Because when you begin to move with God and the presence of God is upon you and his favor is upon your life, everything becomes possible. Everything becomes possible. Everything becomes possible. Everything. This is why he told Abraham, he said, come out, come out, come out from your nation, from your father's house. They will limit you. Because I am getting ready to bless you. Your descendants will be many as the stars in the sky. But as long as you are located in the tent, you won't be able to see that which I see. Tells him to come out. Perhaps at the time when he was asked to come out, he felt offended. He felt that I have been part of this culture for so many years. How on earth can you ask me to pull myself out of this group? Because these are my people. God saw something bigger. So there is a grave family. They're in the grave. That's where your destiny is shaped. That's where without the grave, a person who cannot show you because every time we walk about, there's a grave about powerful people. A, a, a person, a man and a woman who is going to be used by God. I'm not talking about preaching the gospel. Sometimes we think about when we say somebody who's going to be used by God, it's only about preaching the gospel. No, no, no. In every area, in, 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 in those spheres and facets of life that God wants you to influence, if you are going to be used by God powerfully, there must be something about you that disowns all the stuff that the enemy has been creating in your life. There must be a disowning. This is why he says disown. Don't identify with the you that the enemy has put together, even the way you think. I want you to break those things loose because there's a way I want you to think that's going to take you into levels of glory you've never imagined in your life. Say amen. 
So very few people ever make it down the tunnel. Very few. Very few people. Because aglula ukufa, out aglula ukufa. Hey, agfeki, we call agfeki. 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 Uzuti mdea eke mina. Keke mina. Mina. Abana lo mina lo. Abana problem. That's what God wants to remove and you, and you humble yourself, you kneel and say, Lord, do me over. Make me over. Redo me. I don't even trust my own decisions. I don't even trust. I was only born a few years ago. When I got here, you were already here and things were already happening. I don't know how much time I have here. Whatever is left of my time, I hand it over to you. And I pray that the rest of my days, oh God, you will cause me to be fruitful and to be productive in the earth. And if you find it fit, according to your mercy and grace, use me so powerfully in my nation, in Jesus' name. You hand over. That's the process of dying. Everything he says, do, you do. If he says, don't talk like that, yes, sir. Because it's not just about not talking like that. There's a storehouse. There's a level of glory he wants you to walk in so that you are not common. For him to be able to place his glory upon us, he cannot place the treasures of heaven on commoners. We've told you before that the word holy means, unholy means common. Unholy means common. Holy means uncommon. When we begin to obey God, when we walk in, why? No. See, because there's so much treasure and God cannot, they need a landing strip. Now, all that heaven sees are just commoners. You swear like everybody. You just you got attitude like everybody. You you are sexually promiscuous like everybody. You you hit your wife like everybody. It's 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 common people. He cannot place his glory upon commoners. He told them, "Come out from amongst them and be separate," because he wanted to place on them the treasures. He wanted them to possess. Mountains to possess lands. There is something, there is this gold and treasure he wants to place upon your life. But there is a scrubbing that must take place. There is a dying that must happen for him to be able to do so. You know that person? You know God has got someone for you. When you sleep, you will weep tears. Just thanking God, Amanda. Let me shout. What I'm doing, I want you to, to get ready. Look for opportunities to die to self. No, the enemy is good at presenting them. Your own siblings, Jesus, Jesus press your buttons. Your own parents, your own your friends, your colleagues at work, they they are there 
they, they are surrounding you to assist you in the process of dying. Your spouse at home, he has a way, she has a way of just saying something that is funny. You're like, couldn't you just put that properly? What is your problem? But that is, it's, it's there to assist me to die. You say it's easy. No, it's not easy. Dying, it's not easy. Because my ego wants to stand up and say, yeah, I'm nonsense. Nonsense. And the Holy Spirit begins to say, no, you are being carved. Being carved. When they are mining gold, it comes with all instead of covering it. And you have to put it in this furnace and it burns. The process of dying is the burning of that ore and, and, and until gold emerges. Burning is not comfort. It's hard. It's difficult. This taxi guy cuts in front of him. He said, I'm talking about a People who problem solve differently. People who respond to challenges and circumstances differently. Come out from amongst them and be separate. Find your grave for your keys to the storehouse are therein. Thank you, Jesus. Very few family ever make it down the tunnel because dying is not easy. Some of you came here this afternoon angry about something. There's a knot here. Not. I, I always tell one of my sons, I say anger abides in the bosom of fools. Don't allow anger too much. Keep your heart smiling. Because the caliber of people God is raising are people who will not surrender their destiny to anger, episodes of anger. Do you know that there are people who are in prison today? Just because of anger, a, a moment they couldn't handle. Today they are spending, serving 15 years, 20 years, 25 years life in prison. Because they could not deal with the situation. Bill Johnson tells a story. So this mayor in the States was walking to this, this building they, they go to. And this guy comes and he kind of pushes him. He just wraps him up. He almost falls. And he picks himself up. And he says to this guy, I'm sorry. And these other people 
they are asking the mayor, how do you do that? Such an important person. How do you do that? And he told, his answer is, is, is profound. He said, because I can afford it. I can afford it. I've got enough wealth in here. That it does not matter what he does. It's how I respond to it. The wealth in me allows for me to respond in particular ways, in particular instances. I can afford it. If you are spiritually impoverished, spiritually poor, there are things you cannot afford. You can't afford a sorry. You can't because you don't have riches on the inside to be able to do that. There are things that are done by people who are spiritually rich, who can dig deep within themselves and begin to interact with a situation accordingly because they can afford it. There is a level of dying that God requires of his people. Out, I can afford it. I hope you can. Hallelujah. You know, I've been, I've been a Christian for 30 years. This year, 30 years. It's only now that it's becoming clear to me. All this I'm talking to you about. I don't know who's, who's, who's connecting. Maybe it's not wrong according to protocol. I have my special Amen. The reason why the church is so ineffective in the earth is because we have been so full of ourselves that God has not been able to use us. I told you last week that not all Christians are usable. The majority of the church is not usable because God works through dead people. If you want to see something amazing, that's what God is taking me through. Let us begin to engage in the process of dying. Let's go down the tunnel. There's something in the tunnel that's going to cause Kingdom Embassy House to explode and you're going to see it happen. Out hallelujah. So family, to walk in power and great authority, we must submit ourselves to the grave of self. The Apostle Paul in Galatians 6, uh, 17, he says, From now on, let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. What marks was the one? The marks of death. The marks of death. The only marks that Jesus had were wounds in his hands and wounds in his feet, one in his side and wounds around his head. The Apostle Paul says, 
I bear the marks of the Lord. In other words, I must always be carrying something that says this man is in the process of dying. There must be something about my life that says this man is undergoing a process of dying. Every time we see this young lady, every time we see this woman, every time we see this man, there is less of him that we are observing and more of God. There is more of heaven we are beginning to realize about this life. There's less and less and less and less and less of our boys that we are seeing and more and more of Jesus. That is the testimony of an end times church and end times people. I carry on my body the marks of my dying. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. Yet it is no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. Just give me just a few moments, family. It's no longer I who live. Oh, Father, how I desire that I reach that level that I can one day utter those words. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Even the life that I now live, I live it by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself. Now, I want to talk to you just for a few moments on, a, on Satan's strategy, about Satan's strategy. Satan's strategy is to neutralize you because they are scared of you. They are scared of what one young woman can do in their nation, can shake the whole nation, turn it upside down. What one young person can do in their nation if they are in alignment with heaven, if they are well synchronized with heaven, what they can do can change the whole nation. The enemy knows that. So he takes you more seriously than you take yourself. Let me repeat that. The devil takes you more seriously than you take yourself because he understands that it would take for you one moment of sobriety, being sober-minded to begin to welcome heaven into your life and allow God's word to dominate your life and things begin to change and you begin to see life differently and you begin to do things differently and when you do so, his kingdom is destabilized. His kingdom is brought down. He knows that. So his strategy is to neutralize you by keeping your old nature very much alive. He wants to keep your old nature very much alive. My old nature very much alive. He wants, he's going to help you. He's going to provide people. He's going to provide relationships. He's going to make provision 
of situations and circumstances to consolidate your old life and your old self. That is his strategy. He provides the environment and circumstances to consolidate your old nature so that it becomes harder and harder every day to become what Jesus, what God wants you to become. He does, the enemy does quench what I call a Matthew 4.8 on you. Remember when, when Satan invited Jesus to the mountain? And then when he is there in Matthew 4.8, he talks to him. In actual fact, what happens is when you are supposed to be dying, when you are supposed to be dying, going down, Satan takes you in your imagination to a higher mountain. When you are supposed to be dying, when you are supposed to be going down, because there is something that God wants to reveal. The enemy in your imagination takes you to a very high mountain. Then there he shows you the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And says, if you do what the Bible says you must do, you will lose out. He does a Matthew 4, 8 on you. Shows you other possibilities. Things that could happen. Things that you would achieve if you would not align yourself with the word. If you disobey the word, he doesn't put it like that. There's a way the enemy works with us. So that everything that when he says it, it, it makes sense in your soul. But it's his strategy. He does a Matthew 4, 8. Out in Matthew 4, 8. There are things the enemy, see, the mind is so creative. There are kingdoms that are built, possibilities. But seriously, if, if I do this, what the Bible says I must do, and then he shows you an array of things which you're going to lose out of. A whole range of things. It's the lie of the enemy. It's what he has done for thousands of years. When Jesus was supposed to be sowing his life, he takes him up high on the mountain and says, Look, just do one thing for me. Just surrender. Just bow. If you bow, I will give you all these kingdoms and their glory. That is what he wants to do. He has always done it. He continues to do it. It takes people of revelation to begin to understand the ways of the enemy, the modus operandi of the enemy, how he works. This is why we come to church. This is why we, 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 we sit under a ministry like ours so that you, oh, your mind can be opened, your eyes can see that you are able to Respond to the enemy properly when he begins to do these things. Let me tell you something. At the mouth of the tunnel you are supposed to go down in, where the keys are, it is a powerful display 
by the enemy of possibilities. Splendor, ecstasy, fun, pleasure, wealth, fame. You are asking me to sow my life. Who on earth can do such a thing? So when you're supposed to be dying and planting your life like a seed, at the mouth of your grave, the threshold of the grave, there is a display of all other possibilities, of all the things you will benefit from. So he says, if you choose not to die, say, I choose to die. I choose to die because God has greater possibilities for me. Just give me 10 more minutes, family. You see, Bazoni, the current state of the church today, the current state of the church, the current quality of Christians in churches, in the workplace, in schools, in, um, in society in general, is a reflection of the church that is refusing to die. What you see, if you go to any church, you go to a party organized by young people and there are Christians there. You go to a mall tomorrow. You go to a varsity, an institution. What you are going to see there, just locate all Christians there, most probably, what you're going to see is a reflection of people who are refusing to die. Because we think that we are obliged to be like the generation in which we live. We think being different, being different, I don't know how it's labeled, but this is why the Bible says, do not be conformed to this world, to your generation, to your age group. But be transformed. To be conformed is to be formed like. Don't think like. Don't act like. Don't do like. Have fun, but have fun in God's terms. Don't invite the enemy every time you want to entertain yourself. You, he does not need an invitation. Satan does not need an invitation so that a Christian group of young people can enjoy themselves. We don't need his tools, his furniture, his paraphernalia, whatever that he provides, because we think we associate fun with Satan. We do not need Satan to have fun. God wants you to have as much fun as possible. Holiness and boredom are not mutually inclusive. No, there is, Christianity is not headquarters of boredom. So when God says, do not be conformed to this, don't think it's de depriving your fun because we think it's only the enemy who's got the expertise to dish out fun. We think entertainment and recreation it's only Satan who is able to put that together and make it rock. No, family. 
be kingdom minded. This is why I'm teaching you these things. You can have more fun than the world in the absence of the demonic in your gathering, in the absence of everything that they put together. And they end up doing things which are not supposed to be done because they felt that they had to have these things. No, you don't need it. Say hallelujah. Learn his ribbon to Now sing your father. So there are a number of churches today, a number of churches. Listen to me, family. There are a number of churches today. I, I think there are, there are about three churches. Maybe I'm going to mention four types of churches. Now listen to me carefully. I'm closing. There are churches that are entertainment oriented. Listen to me. There are churches that are what? Entertainment oriented. So their theology is limited. Their worship and their praise often is it's like a concert. Now because their theology and revelation is limited, everything else so even when they get up to worship and do, it's, it's, it's like a concert atmosphere. It's entertainment oriented. When the word of God is preached in that particular church, the word of God is nothing but motivational talk with a sprinkling of one scripture or two because we said we are coming to church, right? The sprinkling of one scripture or two. But everything is... Um, does not allow for people in that particular congregation to die. There's nothing, I can spend five years in the church, there is nothing that's going to come out of the pulpit that's going to say, you need to die to self. You need to die to your sin. You need to stop doing this because if you keep on doing that, this will happen. It's no such thing happen. It's, it's motivational, ultimotivational. So the members are very much alive. The message of dying or giving up your life is an offense to them. To the extent that when you are called to preach, there are people who are never asked to go preach there. I wouldn't be asked to go preach there. Because before you go to the pulpit, you go to what they call a pastor's lounge. In the pastor's lounge, you are required to give them a kind of a, a summary of what you're going to be ministering about. If they know that what you're going to be preaching about is going to touch, you know, just wrong, make people uncomfortable, you are asked to change your subject on the spot. Because the very culture of the, of the ministry does not allow for you to speak like that because... The, the tithe of the church is in millions and the people who bring the tithe are people who are cohabiting. They live together, they're not married. They, they just do whatever, they, they drive amazing cars. Maserati is everywhere in, on, on, the, on the church parkyard. They do everything for the church. You want a sound system, they take whatever they want. 
whatever you want, they, they give it to you. They have money. But what they don't have is, is, is culture, is Christianity. So when you minister to them, you are ministering at the back of your mind. You realize that if I preached this way, I could lose about 10 people whom I know that they are living a life they're not supposed to live. And should they go, I am losing out on almost 700,000. Just that group. So they are entertainment oriented. Or to entertainment. Now because of time, let me go to the second one. There are churches that are apostle and prophet oriented. Out apostle, prophet oriented. Now, in this type of church, everything revolves around one man or one woman. They are like celebrities. Celebrity preacher. Now, people come to church to have an encounter with the prophet. Not an encounter with Jesus. To the point where if there is any dying that God would require, they would think that it is the prophet alone who must go through that process, not them. Because he is the one who is doing wonders and miracles. If there is any dying that must happen, he must do it so that he can sustain his ministry through his death. But for the church, the church only receives prophecy and they crave for miracles. There are those types of churches where it's not really a church, it's a, it's a multitude of people that comes to a building to be told about their problems and then to be given a word that purports to be solving their problems, they get their hands laid on them to solve their problems, but there is nothing being built. They go back home, they still kick their wives, they still swear at their children, they still sleep around because church for them is about that man whose head is on the wall. Everything revolves around that guy. There is nothing that's demanded of you. But today God is saying, there's a destiny for all of you. And there's something that God wants to do through you. God wants to touch millions through your life. And for you to be able to do so, there is a, 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 a storehouse that God wants to open. But for you to be able to access that, there is a dying on your part, out on my part, that is required. Let me hasten, family. I'm going to just mention four, then I'm going to close. The third one, there are churches that are hearing the voice of the Spirit, redirecting them, separating them from what they have always known. They are daily walking down the tunnel. They've just come to understand these things by revelation and they are trying to the best of their ability to say, Lord, help us to align ourselves with what you are saying in this season. And so they are beginning to understand that the way up is the way down. That for me to be able to ascend to the highest heights and elevation in the Lord, I must first go down. 
and surrender myself and surrender my life completely and die to self and be dismantled by the power of the word. They are daily, out daily. They are daily walking down the tunnel. They live above the grave, their old theology, their old revelation, their old experiences. They have been given the mandate to accelerate the process of dying so as to accelerate the outpouring of God's glory in the earth. God is saying to these people, hasten, die more, die more. Forget about what's happening in the world. I want you to spend more time in my presence. I want you to wake up in the early hours of the morning and begin to seek my face. I want you to spend more time in the word, more than you have ever done before. Before you thought the Bible was for Sunday. Before you thought the Bible, you opened the Bible when the preacher said, open to the book of Romans. That was the only time you opened your Bible. Now he's drawing you closer to a deeper place of revelation and understanding. He's saying, I want you now, when you're at home, outside of the church building, I am building something in you. I want you to host my presence. I want you to learn to host heaven. For you to host heaven, there are things you will have to do outside of the church building. I want you when you are on your own at home to begin to lock yourself in your room and begin to pray and begin to study the word of God and begin to invite me. If you get stuck, ask the Holy Spirit to explain that particular portion of scripture because there's something I'm building in your spirit because I want to use you as an arrow to pierce the darkness in your generation. So God is drawing this particular type of church into a place of depth and place of intimacy with him. So this particular church, they preach repentance from sin. They preach holiness. They, you will hear often about the priesthood. You will hear messages Every time you are in this building, there is something that is said that demands of you to die. It doesn't matter what they are saying. They can be preaching about something totally different. But there is something that challenges you as you sit down in your chair that says, I cannot afford to carry on in this path. I cannot afford to go down this road after having heard what he said. So you are challenged in these churches to die to self daily. And finally, family, there are churches that are operating from the grave already. They are operating from the grave. When they pray, they pray from the grave. When they minister, they minister from the grave. Everything that they do, they do it from the grave. They pray from there. They live their lives from there. The church in China is a great example of this particular type of church. They literally die for the gospel. They die for the gospel. They die for the gospel. You can walk into their church building and, 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 and ask them, who is serving Jesus here? Say yes and you die. They will all, all of them lift their hands up and they will die. They are able to do so to die physically because they are used to dying. They die on a daily basis that when the time for them 
comes to die physically, they embrace it very easily because they have been dying all the time. So the church in China is like a macrocosm of this type of church. Now let me give me five more, out of five minutes. I literally have five minutes because it's 25 past four. We close at half past four. Let me mention just one thing for me, then I'm going to really close. There's something that's called the, the guardians of the storehouse or the guardians of the storehouse. These are angels who administrate at the storehouse in heaven and are always asking one question. Who amongst them on earth is dying daily? Who amongst them is on a mission of self-denial? Who has a revelation of John 3.30 that says he must increase, but I must decrease? Because it is such people that they want to engage with. They are always asking themselves, they've got, they, they stand at the doors of the storehouse looking for those, at least that particular day, who are making an effort to dying because they move at the sign of death to self. They move with speed. They say there's a dying that's taking place there. Let's go see what is happening. Maybe it's time that we pour something out because they are ready to contain it. Out guardians of the storehouse. They are waiting, family. The, the more of me, I am suspending, I am postponing what God wants to see in my life. Because what God wants to establish cannot be established with me in the way. I must get out of the way so that God can begin to do what he wants to do through my life. Hallelujah. For in him we live, and in him we move, and in him we have our being. Let's stand, family. Just lift up your hands. I cannot finish. I can't finish, Barcelona. We will finish next. Just lift up your hands. Just play longer. Slip up your hands to the Lord. Oh, you have no idea the things which the Lord has prepared for those who love Him. The Bible says, No eye has seen, no ear heard the things which the Lord has prepared for those who love him. And all he's asking for us to do, just get out of the way. Get out of the way. And allow the word of God to reign supreme. Let the word of God have a special place in your life. Let the word of God have a special place in your heart. Give the word of God permission to rearrange your life and say, Lord, I surrender all to you. You are in this place, you didn't know that God has such a great plan for your life. 
You always felt that church is a place where they just, just worry you. And they tell you, don't do this, don't do that. You always felt that a church is a place where they just, it's going to cause problems for you. Because they are boring anyway, so everything that has to do with life and fun is just against it. God wants the best for you. He has always wanted to pour himself out. But we are in the way. He says, get out of the way and surrender yourself to the process of dying. Surrender yourself to the process of dying. Let your members die. Everything in you that resists the word. Every time you read the word or you hear the word, allow the word to win. If you are a person who allows the word of God to win against you every time, I promise you there is nothing God will not do through your life. But if every time you are in this wrestling match with God's word, and you win every time. You have always won against the word. against you. Because You will die and spend eternity in hell. And God will have tried everything. I tell you, family, people who will spend eternity in hell, they will know that God is just. There's no one who will go down to hell and blame God. Because for everybody to go to hell, like Mom G said, no one goes to hell. For you to go to hell, you have, you have to skip over the cross of Jesus and spit on it and go to hell. He always makes provision. He always ensures that you get to know that you make a decision. What the Lord is saying you today, allow him to win so you can win. Allow him to win so you can win and win big. He wants you to score amazing goals in this life. I want to pray with you, then we close. How many of you here want to allow God? Allow God more than you've ever allowed God before. I want you to come to help you. Come forward. Jesus. How many of you want to allow God? Lord, I allow you. Teach me, for you have my best interests at heart. I want to tell you, he doesn't want to mess your life up. He wants to make it and rebuild it. He wants to rebuild it. He wants to rebuild your life. Just lift up your hands before the Lord.
Father God, allow me and help me to walk. I need your help. I need your mercy. I need your grace. In Jesus' name. Now let me pray for you. Now, Father, I pray for them individually, Father God. You know the day they were conceived in their mother's womb. Whatever has happened, I pray, Father God, that you intervene. Some of them have been serving you for some time, but the enemy refuses to let go. Now I pray right now in Jesus' name, let those thoughts be broken. Let chains be broken of them. That they may be launched into their destiny for your glory in Jesus name and God's people said amen say hallelujah say amen thank you Jesus let's give the Lord a hand family we need to go glory as we come to give ways today as we come to give family as we come to give we come to give and sit down when we come to give we come and give now amen I want him to sing it is well with my soul Lord, if you want me to die and give it all up, it is well with my soul. Whatever you want me to do, I know that you love me. I know that you want the best for me. So if you want me to die, it is well with my soul. Are we ready? All right. When peace lies the river attend my soul going now when sorrows like seas the Lord Thou hast
in their grave when our flesh begins to twitch by the power of your spirit arrest us and help us we pray in Jesus name and God's people said Amen It is well